Hey guys, I'm Aditya Yadav and you're listening to The Sound Report. In this podcast, I speak with some of the most talented professionals in the movie industry about the various production and post-production aspects of sound for films. Being a sound designer myself, I have always been curious to know how other sound designers and mixers work. And this podcast is just an attempt to explore the art of sound design further. So whether you're an industry pro or just starting out, I hope this podcast packs a little something for all of you. That being said, thank you so much for joining and let's roll the intro. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. My guest for today is someone who is associated with some of the most successful films in the Marathi film industry. His passion towards film sound took him to London, where he pursued an MA in audio production from the University of Westminster. Post his graduation, he decided to return to his homeland, where he set up his first studio in the same house he grew up as a kid. Setting up a studio away from the primary hub of film sound, he knew that his journey from there was not going to be an easy one. but through constant struggle he managed to establish himself as one of the most talented sound designers in recent times moviegoers and other sound designers appreciated his work myself included and it earned him the first marathi film fair award for his work on director abhijit panse's rege this was enough for him to understand what mattered more in this industry was not the geographical position of his studio but the constant hustle towards being the best running successfully in theaters right now his latest film thakre is probably one of the biggest films he has worked on and i'm here in mixbox studios today talking to the man behind the sound of thakre himself so please help me welcome mr rohit pradhan welcome to the show rohit hi aditya good to be here so before we start deconstructing the sound for thakre why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself first of all no one from my family is into films or sound or music so very early i took up learning keyboard and piano and the only condition given by my father to me was you learn it seriously so i took it took it up very seriously and uh, that introduced me to music made on electronic keyboards and that was enough to spark up the whole passion in the child in me that uh, i i was intrigued by what those keyboards could do so from a one octave keyboard it went on to a four octave keyboard to a five octave keyboard and it was a never ending thing One fine day, one of my friends in the band uh, asked me to accompany him to a studio, recording studio, and that that day changed my entire life. I I went there and I said I want to do this. So uh, again, the curiosity uh, was there, and I asked the engineer how did he do this, how did he record it, and that time the engineer had an ADAT. So it it was the transition period between. the digital tape and the DAWs uh, he said that you get yourself educated and you know uh, then you step into a studio and i did follow his words and i went on to sa chennai did my diploma came back and after sa chennai it was it was a roller coaster ride i i worked in uh, music studios i worked on large format uh, recording consoles big bands like I was recording ATP string orchestras. I was recording background score, and that was still the initial days of uh, using the DAW just as a recorder and doing most of the things on the outboard. So that uh, even introduced me to a lot of gear, using the gear correctly. And fast forward to that, as I went on to University of Westminster, where where I did my MA, and that again changed a lot of things in my thought process. Uh, before I went there, the, a lot of my peers were like, "What will you learn? You have you have done most of it. What will you learn there?" And I, even I had that same question, that same burning question: "What will I learn there?" But but it completely changed my perspective towards my profession, towards uh, how do I handle clients, how do I handle pressure, how do I how do I do it when the client needs it. and plus the new technologies that i was introduced to so and after that course i started my own studio when i came back and yeah that's it that's it the the long journey cut short but yeah that's how i got into this and 
it's it's a never ending passion that has kept it alive so like i mentioned in the intro and where i said that your studio is located away from the uh, yeah. the central hub of film sound and uh, that's a very ballsy move in itself and exactly. you know that it matters a lot like the the position yeah. of where your studio is located unfortunately that becomes a factor whether people want to work with you or not Absolutely. how did you tackle that uh, when i was searching for places uh, where would i set up my studio this was the place where i set up a small room uh, which was my work desk and i thought that i would work out of this room and you know do freelance and uh, the word of mouth spread really quickly because thane was at that time it was not open to any post production or any audio post or dubbing it just had three music studios and uh, everyone knew that there's this guy who's come back from uk and who's doing some stuff in his room and all so i had clients coming in day in day out and uh, i would give credit to kaushal inamdar who 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 was doing a project with me and he said that why don't you set up a studio here and and then the whole list of questions came in as to we are outside the the main area we are we are selling fish outside the fish market and also we are selling fish to people who don't eat fish <laughs> so so all those analogies came in and um, kaushal was really uh, he he encouraged me to you know uh, start this thing up and uh, my my course leader in at westminster had told me that always fill the gap in the market whatever you do try and fill up the gap in the market and i could see this huge gap in thane that time which which had a small uh, marathi film industry around it uh, and they didn't have a place to go and do their dubbings they didn't have the place and do their premixes or the sound design or the audio post and i decided to fill up that gap but the year that i started 2007 things were not moving then things were very dominant the industry was dominant and to get it moving we needed a spark we i needed a spark i needed a i needed a friday hit i needed something that would tell people that okay this is done here and that opportunity came very late in 2011 with balak palak ravi jadhav's film and that changed everything for me that that put me onto the map that put me onto the radar where where artists said okay let's go there and do the dubbing and i think uh, after the film fair i think it is it has been an inspiring story for a lot of kids who want to set up studios in thane and i feel that they should do it they should do it uh, the only way to break geographical barriers is doing hard work and doing what you believe so yeah balak palak put you up on the map and that association with ravi jadhav went far ahead like yeah. you ended up doing a lot more films with him yes and needless to say all of them were were super hit the friday blockbusters which you wanted yeah. i think all of them turned out to be yeah. those one other film which i really want to talk about which is uh, kind of my personal favorite is abhijit panse's reggae reggae was uh, reggae was and is a very special film to me because uh, one it the way reggae was written uh, when abhijit sir narrated the story to me i was blown away i said this is going to be very challenging this is going to because reggae had a screenplay which demanded a very tight audio design with demanded a very tight sound design or a sound edit because there are three stories running parallel to each other uh, so when i was given the script i sat with the script i did a sound script and uh, i was not prepared for what i would get once the movie was shot and edited and when i got that i was blown away more uh but reggae i was involved right from the beginning i i did a lot of location recordings and very few people know in fact uh i will have to go back to the credits myself i have done the foley for reggae so i was the foley artist also and i wasn't credited on it my two other team members were credited uh and that was deliberately done by me but i have the foley artist on reggae so uh for reggae i did the dialogue dubbing I did the sound edit I did the foley and it was mixed by Justin Jones. Oh. Nice. Yeah so uh, that was reggae and reggae was really different for me it it's very close to my heart. 
So did Abhijit give you an idea about Thakre back then? Not at that time. In fact, he was he he's done one other film, and he also told me that okay, we may end up working on that film. But I had no clue about Thakre that time. So how early on were you brought on board for Thakre? I was I was on board before the shoot. They they did a teaser a year ago, a year back before the film released. and uh, i was involved from the teaser itself because the teaser itself demanded the entire sound design the crowds and all so i was involved pretty much earlier I, and um, i was given the script to read both the scripts to read hindi and marathi as well and that's where i got involved with uh, thakre and how did it help your process as a sound designer because usually as sound designers we get on board after the shoot is done after the edit is done after the edit is locked was there anything in particular that you got a chance to prepare for given the fact that you were brought on board so early on in the process a lot of things because i i strongly believe and i strongly feel that sound designers should be bought on board at the scripting stage because they they can give their own perspectives they can they can add on to some creativity or some scenes or the way scenes are shot i received a script and i i went through it i read it completely and i thought that yeah that was the time i had decided about the crowds because i got references from the script which which told me that okay this is going to be there are going to be five black people in front of bala saheb there there are going to be 5000 people attending the sabha this is the right scene this is so i i got a lot of inputs from the the script itself and what i had done is i had uh, made markings on the script as to where i would need crowd so what i had done was this is very interesting i had bought different colored postits to stick on the script to tell me where crowd was needed so for me green color postit was uh, the crowd scene the pages where we needed to record crowd and uh, you would be surprised that half of the script was stuck with those green posted tapes uh, you know uh, stating where crowd was needed so uh, that that working helped me a lot in uh, knowing what i was going into at the postage once the film was given to me uh, so yeah that that's that's where the script helped me a lot and i feel that yes a lot of directors should provide sound designers or sound editors with scripts so that it gives them a fair idea of what they're going to get after the film is edited was there anything that you got to record on set uh yeah i did record a few crowd tracks on set and there was not much because it was decided that this is going to be a complete adr film so there there was very less sound discipline on set so recording anything was a little difficult uh, with the with the way they were shooting it was very dynamic and it was changing many times so not much but yeah i did record a few crowds on set which which did end up as a layer in the f- final sound design given the fact the number of people who attended balasab thakre's rallies just to hear the man speak It's impossible to get that many people in the studio. Absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit about the entire crowd recording process? For example, which studios you recorded in, what microphones you used, what techniques you used? Since I have started doing sound design, my go-to crowd director has been Uday Sables. So, he's done he and his team have done crowd dubbings for all my films and he was my first and last choice for Thakre. So, when we got Uday in and I explained to him the magnanimity of the whole thing he was like we don't have so many artists right now so my brief to him was i need 100 artists for the slogans for the riots and then we had one liners then we had spot artists so the wala or the group was initially supposed to be 100 and the only place where i could do it in mumbai was the yrf music stage 1 uh, where uh, shantanu hudlikar is the main engineer and abhishek khandelwal also is there so i had spoken to abhishek and i i, I did ask him what is the capacity uh, at the studio and they said we could fit in 110 so i was stuck to 100 i needed 100 people but many times with the production cost mm-hmm. we brought it down to 80 because it was practically possible to get in 80 people comfortably there once that was done me and my team did a entire scripting of what slogans need to be recorded so we figured out that this would take roughly around two shifts 
initially what I did was I recorded those slogans as a cue track wherever they were. My instructions were recorded onto the picture uh, to provide as a guide track, as a pilot track. So uh, when we go to Yashraj, there is no confusion. We know that, okay, this is where the pilot is coming. This is where we need to do this. And uh, a couple of days before the recording, I did have a meeting with Abhishek and we discussed about how we will we are going to mic it, how what is going to be our format, where are the mics, are we going to have any spot mics or ambient mics. So uh, we, we had the UA67s in the front, left, right. Then we had the M149s in the back. These these were placed uh, three feet above the tallest person in the room. Then there was a decatry in the front of the crowd where, towards the screen. So there was a decatry and there was a reflection behind the decatry to just capture the reflections. In the middle of the room, there was a sound field mic and we were recording ambisonics in B format, uh, which would later be used in post and... I think the sound field mic was in some situations a savior. Uh, so this was the setup. We were recording, we were straight going into Neve 88R, which is at YRF. So the front end or the capture was not a problem at all. The level or the dynamics was not a problem at all. And because we were recording with such good equipment, with such good crew, we got amazing output from them. Uh, one thing I, as a problem I faced in the post was with so many people sometimes the clarity of some slogans was being missed and even after trying to clear them uh, I didn't get what I wanted so that that needs to be worked on or maybe I'll work on uh, I'm telling this to you openly because I think people can get aware uh, when when you bring in a lot of people in one room and we, when you try, ask them to say a slogan Many times the clarity of it gets lost. So you, you find it difficult to hear what... It was just one slogan where we, we faced this. But yeah, I did face that problem. But otherwise, it went on very smoothly. And I'm guessing you had like multiple layers of these crowd chanting and the slogan chanting together. Uh, what we did was, because we were recording with so many mics, any multiple layers would have caused phasing. So we avoided that. Hmm. Every take was recorded on these group of mics. All these mics, the, the the single capture was the layer that we took. We never doubled it or we never duplicated it. That was the layer. So whatever we wanted, we got it in that layer itself. The performances were stressed on. We, we stressed on the whole energy of the crowd. Hmm. One very interesting thing that I need to tell you here is whenever Balasaheb went on stage, there was this lead chant which used to happen and then the crowd used to reply. And we got the guy who used to do it for him. Oh, wow. Yeah, like the same guy who used to do it. The same guy who used to do it for him because that was a different texture that we wanted. And uh, I very early had told the director, Abhijit Panse, and uh, producer Sanjay Raut if we could get the same person. And I was lucky enough to work with him, a very humble guy. And he was there throughout the day. And he is the guy who has been doing that for a long time. So he, uh, all the leads that you hear are his leads. I think it's small things like these that yeah. we as sound designers use, uh, which I think brings an additional value to Absolutely. the overall soundtrack. You know, Absolutely. the audiences might not even realize that. Absolutely. But then I think what it brings to the final soundtrack, it's yeah. it's uh, it's really it has that authenticity to it. Yeah. Um, speaking of authenticity, the common problems which I face as a sound designer is the lack of authenticity in the quality and the performances of the crowds that we record inside the studio. Because I think the alternate approach to this is to record the crowd outside in an open environment because that's where the crowd is in the film. Was there anything in particular that you did to enhance the performance of the crowd? While recording at Yashraj, we said that, okay, if we are getting this, we could have got a better uh, result if we had done outdoors. But then uh, again, I wanted the crowd to perform in a certain way, which I think would have not been possible outdoors. So that was that's why we we avoided or we, we stopped ourselves from recording outdoors. But I think ultimately if given a controlled outdoor environment, I would anytime choose to record there. A reference point for you and me would be Argo. 
uh, the the way they have done crowds for that. In fact, that was my reference point also. Mm-hmm. I somewhere wanted to achieve what they had achieved in Argo. That was the film I was thinking of when I asked yeah. you that question. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so that was my reference point. And uh, given a choice, yes. I would love to record crowds outside, uh, but the environment needs to be controlled because uh, we have to also look at the way our crowd artists are. They are used to recording in small studios, in small spaces. In fact, a lot of crowd artists told me that they are doing this for the first time, which was very surprising for me. One advantage of recording crowds in a dynamic way is it brings in realism. I put a lot of stress even while doing crowds with small groups wherein there are just 10 artists or 20 artists I I stress out a lot in recording them correctly because that that is what makes it very dynamic in nature true so most of the film is set in the past it marks Bala Saheb's journey from 1966 to 1995 what were some of the challenges that you faced in regards to recording certain period sounds like the ambiences the cars the printing press can you tell us a little bit about that process as well again a very good question in fact uh, i read a lot about uh, how bombay sounded then and uh, i spoke to a lot of people mostly because there was no references films in 60s didn't have such good sound design so the first major uh, character in that whole period thing was a tram so we spoke to a lot of people as to how the mumbai tram sounded like one major character of the tram was the bell the bell which used to ring at every stop so we then found a few samples and we played it back to the people who had described the sound to us and they pinpointed oh this is how it sounded so so that is that was the first point of authenticity where we we got four sounds of trams and uh, definitely from libraries mm-hmm. and we played it back to the people who had described them to us and they said uh, this is what it sounded like this is this is exactly what it sounded like so we picked up that sound uh, most of the cars were shown to me as pictures and i did go out and find a accurate sample of those cars which was used uh, there's this rain sequence which is the krishna desai murder if you've seen the film yes uh, mm-hmm. so the rain was created with a softsen called audio rain okay so so i used two layers of audio rain to you know uh, to create that uh, i also use a software called extreme effects uh, from uvi Mm-hmm. so usually it's midi mapped and then i i trigger those sounds uh there is fair bit of esx24 also used in in triggering some spot effects the car doors and uh, some some small things so yeah uh, the authenticity was being minimalistic because uh, very early boloy kumar doloy who has done the re-recording or who's a re-recording mixer on thakre uh, both of us had a meeting and he did hear some ambiences and uh, the sound edit and he he was the one who also echoed the whole decision of keeping it minimalistic in the black and white era Mm-hmm. so uh, there's not much playing in the background uh, in the surround speakers there's not much on the top uh, speaker only when there are scenes like the rain we we went on to the top uh, top speakers but otherwise it was just the 51 or the 71 bed which was playing most of the time and again being minimalistic it was most of the time the exteriors were uh, two layers of birds and a uh, wind playing without much traffic because bombay was very quiet then it was just a little bit of trams and a few cars flying here and there so 1960s bombay was very calm and quiet so to fill up the interiors we we used radio programs we used radio songs which were of course royalty free and uh, hand picked for the situation so we did use that also just to create that whole era of that about the printing press we uh, the the place where they had shot it uh, we went and recorded that machine uh, with 2416s i didn't quite like the sound of it so one of my friends father has a workshop where he has a lot of hydraulic press breaks and i got a chance to record those press breaks and then use that sound and layer it with the printing press sound to make it that way to make it a little bit more um, I would say commercial. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
yeah that was one sound which kind of stood up and i was like oh yeah that sounds like uh, yeah. the second uh, one thing which was constantly going on in my mind was like how did he do that how yeah. did he manage to get those sounds i mean yeah there's no way that there are clean recordings of those uh, from the past and uh, i think that sounded great and uh, thank you the printing press really was a turning point in bala saheb's life and Absolutely. i think it's small things like these which kind of like you know we shape our characters of the film through sound and i Absolutely. think uh, that was one such sound so you mentioned that you used the sound field ambisonic microphone for recording the crowds Crowd. can you tell us a little bit about that process like how did you go about that was there any software which you had to use to enhance the audio or to decode it uh yes we we do need a, a plugin to decode it which is offered on the soundfield website so the soundfield microphone records uh, two stereo tracks uh, which which ideally is a stereo mix and then there are four quad tracks that it records the wxyz uh, and when you import those four tracks it comes as a quad track into your daw in this case we were using pro tools ultimate so when you when you get those tracks then uh, and you have to then download the plugin now this plugin is the brain of those four tracks from that plugin you can make them stereo you can uh, do a 5-1 you can do 7-1 you can control each parameter of those individual tracks you can control how much of it is going into the lfe how much you want to send into lfe so the plugin is the heart of Uh, the mic so uh, recording on the mic is one aspect and then processing it through the surround zone plugin is the second part of it bolo and myself we put a lot of time energy and mind into how intelligently we could use that plugin on that quad track so we ended up creating a bed sometimes we ended up creating a different image than what uh, what was needed we ended up creating perspectives with the plugin so that's all about it and once you record in ambisonics it hooks you up i definitely want to use it uh, to record ambiences for my next film or my next project and then use it because i think audio in vr is the present and the future and we all should embrace it sooner or later i mean this was i think the first marathi film to be mixed in atmos native atmos yes how did you use atmos to your benefit in this scenario to start with as a sound designer i have limited knowledge about atmos i uh, i tend to work with re-recording engineers who who are masters in their art and who are good at it and i feel a sound editor or a sound designer should should have a emotional connect to the re-recording engineer only then they both can work together and produce something uh, something really nice with thakre uh, boloy was their, our first choice for re-recording and boloy had done projects in atmos he had done bahubali 2 he had done dangal so he had done all the big films and i had a lot of meetings with him to discuss as to what could go into the whole immersive sound format and from inputs from him then i did my sound design like there were places where he said this we'll just have a bed here we won't go into objects or we can use this as an object so a lot of inputs were given by boloy to me as to what could go in the whole atmos uh, format you know what could be objects what, where we could really make use of objects and as you mentioned earlier the the tram it was an object so so we we wanted it to be dynamic in the movie theater we wanted it to be playing dynamically in the format so that became an object so there were there were cars which were objects so being a drama film being a biopic there was not much action wherever there was action yes we we did we did have some hits and some slogans which which were again we used the top top channels for it uh, we we de- definitely had the crowd going into the 71 bed into the whole atmos uh, thing so i feel uh, it's an amazing format which is definitely for the storytellers and can be if understood correctly by the sound design team it can really enhance the overall uh, sound output of the film it can make it sound better 
deliverables are good uh, the down mix sounds really nice so we we checked the down mix also the the down mix in 51 in fact the international version which which went out went out with the 51 mix which uh, 51 down mix so that sounded really nice to me and i think i'll be working more in that format so one of the other issues i say we face as sound designers is the fact that producers don't want to have their film mixed in atmos especially if it's a regional film given the fact that there won't be enough theaters which might be allotted for that film so was there any uh, backlash for thakre as well in this regards yes in fact in the beginning it was decided that we would be mixing only the hindi version in uh, dolby atmos and the marathi would be just 51 but later on uh, I did bring my producers and directors to a mixing session where we played them played them back the Atmos mix and then we played them back the 51 mix and and in the AB they picked up the Atmos mix and that's where uh, they decided that yes we would go ahead with the Marathi Atmos also I feel uh, it is about producers being unaware or having inadequate knowledge about the format the delivery and the uh, endless possibilities that it offers once you use it or once you mix your film in that format i feel a lot of marathi cinema is content driven it definitely crosses the seven seas and goes to international festivals and i feel we as sound designers need to make our producers aware that that is where the format is going to shine that is where the whole audio video and the whole marriage of it is going to shine bright at international stages so there's no downside to it there i don't see personally any downside to it being used widely as a format i think the same thing happened when when it transitioned from stereo sr to dolby digital there there was this whole confusion between shall we do it does it sound good uh, what about the delivery so i feel uh, it is up to us to educate or uh, make them aware about the possibilities the positive side of it and i feel i don't see any problem in fact uh, after thakre even bhai is in uh, dolby atmos uh, directed by mahesh panjrekar even that is in dolby atmos my misunderstanding about atmos was that it is a format which i think would work well if your film is an action packed film where i could use objects going from above my head and uh, it could be used as a stylized medium but it, i was wrong about that let me use an analogy here that uh, you you you're trying to read a newspaper with a 3 inch lens and then you get in a 10 inch lens and you read the same newspaper you, you eventually your words will look bigger hmm. now with atmos you're using a bigger lens for the audio so with the small lens you can still read the words they, they are clear they are big but with a bigger lens they become bigger so mm-hmm. it it just makes the whole the the oral experience and the best part now is dolby atmos is coming to homes mm-hmm. it is it is coming right down to the con- consumer level with av receivers with amplifiers with surround systems and a lot it is and dolby is really pushing the format down to the consumer level which which in turn will benefit if you have mixed your film in dolby atmos hmm. so regardless of the genre it it's just giving you a better brighter picture it's just giving you a larger image of the and the best part is you can feel the sound finally you can you can feel it so that's 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 the good thing So I saw both the versions of the film both Hindi and Marathi and uh, one scene which stood out in both the versions was a bomb blast scene and uh, both the times it managed to get me on the edge of my seat would you like to deconstruct that scene for us yeah uh, there was music earlier mm-hmm. amar mohile uh, who's done the background for it uh, he he had he had kept it very dynamic he has given me come entire freedom on where i can use his music where i cannot use his music so there was music and and every time uh, abhijit panse saw it he said there's something amiss i am not i am not getting scared enough i am not getting oh there's something going to happen he wanted it to be preemptive he wanted the audience to know that this is going to blow off and even i had a a creative argument with him that uh, we should not tell the audience what is going to happen Uh, but he said no i want the audience to know 
that this car is going to blow off so the there was a the ticker the the time bomb ticker which which was done and the technique used was it goes on getting faster and it goes on increasing the pitch also so we had to sit and do the entire tempo mapping of it where it goes in a tempo of on a second and then it gets faster and then it goes into a blast this was a real a real uh, incident that had happened outside sena bhavan and uh, the way it was described to me was after the blast the the glass glasses of sena bhavan had shattered and glasses even in the vicinity had shattered it was such a, a big blast so first thing was the ticker so once the ticker was there and the blast was in place we went through the scene without the music and it did definitely work for us and then i called up amar and i said that okay this is what we are doing and do you want to come and hear it and when he heard it and he also said that let's just take off music from here and that's how the whole scene came into being like it was a director's brief to prepare the audience for the blast wherein i went in a little creative and i said no let's not do that let's have the music there and let's just bring in the blast at the end so uh, i do give credit to abhijit sir for you know uh, giving me that idea and taking me in that direction so as sound designers a lot of times we get into such creative arguments uh, with the directors or the producers and uh, i'd like to take this opportunity and address the tiger in the room uh, yeah. you know what scene i'm talking about i know i know I'm talking about the scene where the Muslim lady and her family yeah. they come to meet Bala Sahib Thakre and uh, the camera is panning from uh, I think left to right and you just hear a tiger roar yeah, when you see the statue and that was an unexpected sound and it felt yeah. off I uh, me as a sound designer felt that, that it was a little off but so did my other friends who are not sound designers yeah, I know. and uh, I knew that this was not a sound designer's choice it was a directorial choice yeah. and you get stuck uh, you get put in such situations where you do not have control over what the director wants absolutely how, how do you uh, suggest people should handle these situations without getting the situation more tense and making sure that you maintain an even balance uh you know how i look at uh, the re-recording stage i look at it as a huge buffet so at the re-recording stage everyone is in a huge restaurant with hundreds of dishes around them and they are they don't know what to choose so everyone's mind is like oh i want this i want this i want that and i want to eat the entire buffet so the re-recording st- stage is exactly like a buffet so yeah i i haven't got so much backslash for a missing sound than this <laughs> roar which was there in that room uh which was not there earlier and when uh, we were playing it back to abhijit sir and he said uh, i need a roar and i said why i mean you know that whole thing started and uh, i feel it's a very thin line where uh, sound designers need to understand their director's uh, vision uh, i think he had a vision there he had imagined the scene with a roar and that's how it was playing in his head since the conception of that scene since the day it was shot so in fact the tiger as a prop was kept there with his vision of the roar being heard in the final mix and my point was we don't need it there but he had envisioned the scene like that he had wrote the scene with the roar in his mind so i feel uh, it is very important for sound designers for re-recording engineers also to sit with the director and know his vision which we did definitely did with abhijit sir where we he gave us his vision about how he wants the riots to sound like how he wants the sabhas to sound like how he wants the different mic emulations to sound like so i feel once the vision is clear the s- process of re-recording and the process of enjoying that buffet becomes more uh, fruitful for everyone so yeah that's it it was it was the director's vision which where he wanted and uh, i would say that because he had imagined and wrote the scene like that he was right on his part true makes sense i think yeah. that's a better way to Absolutely. maintain balance because in films i think uh, 
given the short deadlines and the amount of work the amount of stress yeah. that we have it's very easy for anyone in any department to lose their cool and uh, creative field being such where everyone has their own opinions i think absolutely it's i think it's better that we respect each other's opinion first and absolutely. kind of uh, establish a common ground which eventually yeah. works out well for the film and eventually it's not your film or like you know you are not the only one who's working on the film absolutely and uh, i think whatever is beneficial for the final film should be what should be in the film exactly So talking about the bilingual aspect of the film the film was shot simultaneously in Hindi and Marathi and that just got me wondering about how the entire post production workflow went for that So here we dubbed the entire film two times once in Hindi and once in Marathi even the crowd was done two times once in Hindi and once in Marathi so that was a a very long process in itself and uh, once the dubbing was done the foley was done for the Hindi film the sound design was done for the hindi film and uh, once the once everything was bought into the re-recording stage we had assumed that just a uh, editing job would you know we would edit it and we would fit it into onto the marathi video unfortunately to our nightmare nothing was matching <laughs> because they had reshoot shot the film in marathi so for an example uh, the character of balasaheb takre nawazuddin siddiqui where he took 10 steps in marathi uh, in hindi he had taken maybe 8 steps in marathi so eventually the footsteps of that part had to be redone and for your information we took almost uh, 450 to 480 hours to mix both the languages which was a marathon mixing session with us walking 24/7 towards the end So what we did was we we mixed the Hindi version, we we did the dialogue premixes for the Marathi. Uh, Amar got uh, his music editor to edit the music bits and send us the new music files, which needed to be premixed again in Marathi. Uh, the foley and the ambience was edited on the table there, and whatever foley was required to be redone was redone by Karan Arjun Singh. So everyone was working round the clock. and to a point where we were so prone to errors we were so prone to mistakes that anything would go amiss so we had to um, i my sound editing assistant pratik goswami has done a beautiful job with the sound edit so he was sitting and editing the real wise ambiences i was doing the effects uh, so it was a very difficult process but i think this there was no other way to do it there was no other way to do it or speed it up if i wish i could have a bigger team and a common daw versions across all computers but then we were working on pro tools ultimate at the recording stage at my studio we had pro tools 10 at current studio they have the pro tools 9 so this had its own challenges uh, in you know a uniform daw and i feel it is very important for the industry to maintain a uniformity in their daws which would make things faster if all of us had pro tools ultimate it was just a session thing but it was not that way so there was uh, clip automation there was clip effects there was clip eq which had to be maintained which had to be similar so yeah it was very challenging i mean doing the buy if it was just a dub then it was just placing the dub on the mix here it was a parallel shoot so yeah i mean i now i have a workflow even for this kind of situation did you go back and forth between the two versions or yes. did you have the first version like the hindi version ready first yeah. and then you got to the marathi version yes we first had the hindi version completely mixed and ready for delivery i think one thing which upcoming sound designers need to educate themselves is deliverables mm mm-hmm. who needs them when do they need them what kind of format needs to be given uh young sound designers can it can be really scary for them if if they are not aware of all this if a studio is a major studio is re- producing their film then they they have their own requirements they have their own formats they they need it in a specific way if it is going to a ott platform they have their own norms about delivery so i feel uh even institute should teach about delivery 
the deliverables part is something a lot of uh, young sound designers have no idea about what to do how to maintain that and that that needs to be taken very seriously one of the problems which i face as a sound designer is a lack of perspective which you get after you have spent so much time with the film at the sound edit stage that by the time you come to the mix it becomes really difficult to separate what is actually sounding right or what is not because by the time you reach the re-recording stage you've already heard your film so many times that you kind of tend to lose perspective on certain things yeah well in this case you had two films to worry about yeah. that way uh, did you at any point just leave it completely on the re-recording mixer to go like you know let him do his work and then you would come back after a few days or like you know just so that you have fresh set of ears I did that in fact because uh, with Thakre I was involved right from dubbing of the first character to the last character so I was eventually seeing the film every day at the dub stage with different characters with different actors and both the languages and uh, it happened so that I was losing the perspective as you said very rightly said because i was watching it over and over i was just watching the same footage again and again uh, so what happened is um, and yes i was doing foley also so i was i was going to the foley stage also uh, sometimes to hear foley and at the point it was definitely i didn't know what was my vision for re-recording so uh, that's where boloy came in he he had a look at the film he he used to come for the dubs also in between just to see what was happening but he was the the person with the fresh mind with a fresh set of ears so what what i did was uh, once the entire material was delivered to boloy i asked him to do his bit and in those days i went through the material as to the track lay the the sound design the small small things and i i used to just randomly look at them just to know that okay this is right this is right this is what what has gone to the re-recording stage and once boloy had done his bit like he, once he had finished the dialogue premix that is where i went in with a fresh set of ears with a fresh mind just to know what was going on and then it was a like a long marathon i think boloy did play a very uh, a yes, significant role yes. in this entire process and one other thing which i wanted to know about was the was the whole negativity around the voice of sachin khedekar ah. which was first uh, heard as a marathi voice of thakre and yeah. i th- i remember the entire youtube comment section was just filled with negativity about yeah. and he has a recognizable voice like yes, anyone yes. who has ever seen a marathi film Absolutely. knows that it's sachin's voice yeah and uh, a decision was made where you replaced sachin with mr chetan shashithal who in the past has also worked on a film where he had recorded bala saheb thakre's voice what makes me curious is the process which took place afterwards after his voice was recorded how did the premix process go after that because he came in pretty late right yeah. just a few weeks before the film was about to release one how how one week before the oh wow how did that uh, affect the premixing process because i think one of the main things is the kind of reverbs that you use yeah uh, did you end up using the same sets of reverbs which you had used on sachin's voice how was that sound treated differently in mix to start with i respect both the artists I, Sachin sir is a very senior actor has a amazing voice and uh, Chetan sir is known to be the man of 100 voices and you know he can he he's a he's a he's on a different planet for for me uh, I wouldn't say which is good or which is bad here uh, but the process I would tell you what what we did was we we did the dialogue premix without anyone's voice we knew that chetan sir is getting dubbed he's he's in the process of dubbing and instead of getting reels we asked the adr engineer kunal to give us the entire uh, film with his voice which which arrived at the re-recording stage say a week before the release and then it was okay now this sounds different we we have done this for nawaz then we we need to do this for chetan sachital because Nawazuddin is sounding like Nawazuddin in the Hindi version. Chetan Sachital spoke like Bala Sahab Thakre. 
so the dynamics had changed the stresses had changed everything had changed and uh, we 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 had to do a lot of emulations again just to fit his voice in wow that's pretty remarkable well that kind of wraps up my questions for thakre so what's next what are you working on i am doing a web series with amazon prime it's called bandish bandits it's a musical web series with uh, shankar hasan loy doing the music and uh, nasruddin shah playing the lead uh, there is um, atul kulkarni also and uh, i am doing the sound design for that so that's that's in the shooting process right now it's it's sing sound so uh, then there are couple of marathi films which i don't know the title myself i'm just uh, they've just contacted me so that's it on the plate right now but thakre was uh, a six month journey which which i am still in i still have the hangover of it so i think yeah i'll be out of it soon do you want to give any tips for anyone who's starting out try and be a part of the entire process so do the dubbing go for foley sessions talk to your seniors and most importantly try and have, have an idol if possible multiple idols because those are the people whose work you will keep on referencing or you will take inspiration from take uh, I don't mind telling my idols I have Nakul Kamte as my idol. I adore what Bishwadeep Chatterjee does. So these are all our uh, heroes in our country. So and their work is accessible to us. Uh, there is of course Rasool Pukuti also. Uh, I like mixing done by Justin Joes. I I have st- started liking what Bola has done. Debaji Changmai of course one of the most uh, dynamic uh, re-recording engineers we have we have ajay we have uh, anuj sir who's also a great re-recording engineer so i do i keep following their work and keep taking inspiration from them so don't stop doing that because uh, every generation will have teachers in the senior generation so keep following their work so so that you you know what the best in the business are doing and then you know where you have to reach So that's the only advice. So I think that should be a good point to conclude our podcast today. Uh, so just before we go, where can people get in touch with you? I am on Twitter Rohit Mix. I am on uh, Instagram Mix with Rohit, and I'm very less on Facebook actually. But these are the two platforms where they can connect with me. All right. So there you have it. Anyone who wants to get in touch with Rohit, please DM him. And uh, thank you so much, Rohit, once again for being a part of this podcast. Yeah. Thank you. And to all of y'all who plugged in, thank you so much for listening. This is the first time I'm doing something like this, so if you like the podcast, let me know. And if you didn't like it, then definitely let me know. This is Aditya Adav signing off. Until next time, bye.